Hi. Welcome to issue 10 of Scout and Birdie. Home. I'm Jennifer Keel. And I'm Anna Wolf. So we chose home as our theme because it kind of branches out into a lot of directions. There's a lot of ways you can go with home. Yeah, and since it's the December issue, we're thinking about the holidays and a lot of people's like physical journeys to going to a place mm-hmm. that is their home or was their home. Artists for this issue really sort of took it in a different direction than we'd expected, potentially. Yeah, I think we kind of expected a lot of familial tales. Mm. And instead we got these really personal tales of the people we make our home into and what the absence of that feels like. Mm. It was a more broad examination of the word home, I think, than we expected initially. Yeah. But very, very lovely. What do you think of when you think of home? Well, um, my piece for this issue is sort of dealing with the idea of home being like where I live now. And I was realizing that when I was writing it, um, that this is a piece that thinks about home as my apartment and um, also like the people that I like welcome into my apartment. Um, And it's always a interesting realization, especially around the holidays of like going home to where you grew up and when that starts to switch to not feeling like you're home anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, And still feeling like maybe a place that you feel welcome and safe in, but just not like, where you can completely unwind and be in your own home. Yeah, when I go home now to see my family, it's all about the people. They could be anywhere. My family is a piece of home, but the actual house doesn't carry a lot of meaning to me anymore. It just seems like a place that I lived for a little bit. When I go home and I see my parents and my sister, it just transports you right back to where you were when you were little, Mm -hmm. and the same dynamics come out. So it's really interesting to see that switch. Yeah. And that like in between time too, when you sort of feel like you have two homes and each home has very different pluses and minuses to it. Yeah. Uh, So with that, um, cozy up wherever is home for you and enjoy issue 10. Home. love. You'll remember Kai from our very first issue of Scout and Birdie, First Impressions, where Kai read her poem, I Am. Um, She's here today sharing her piece with us, America is my home. So welcome. Thank you. I appreciate being asked back. I am a big fan of Scout and Birdie. And we're a big fan of Kai Love. (laughs) (laughs) Works out perfectly that way. Indeed, indeed. Kai, we're so glad that you were able to do uh, Scout and Birdie again because you are a busy woman. I am. You do a lot of different things. I do. I do. Uh, In between uh, doing spoken word and poetry and storytelling, 
I also have a five-piece band, and we do a lot of traveling, not just locally, but all across America, actually, and internationally, too, uh, performing soul songs and kind of infusing the poetic sound into music. And so we have been really, really busy this year. I've been extremely blessed, and I'm so grateful that uh, what I've created is something that people seem to enjoy and, and continue to re- to request. And so I'm excited about that. Yeah, listening to your piece just now being read, it has such a musical tone to it. And the way that you perform it and the way that you write it has such a lyrical and rhythmic um style to it, it's clear that you're involved in music. Absolutely. Uh, Music is my second love. Uh, Words are my first love. Uh, And I feel so fortunate that I've been able to take both of those disciplines together and create these moments that I can share uh, with folks. And and they seem to get it. And I think that that's really, really important when you hear artists say, oh, I don't really care if, you know, people enjoy it. You know, this is this is coming from my soul and, you know, I just need to get it out. Uh, and that's a portion of it, certainly. But I, I love that I can string together something in a way and someone comes up to me after my show and it's like, oh, my goodness, the way that you did that poem and you put that Aretha Franklin song in there, it just like gave it new meaning. And now I'm going to go home and listen to that Aretha Franklin album. Mm-hmm. I think that that is so special and really uh, provides uh, the inspiration that I need to keep going. Because being an artist here in Chicago is difficult. Uh, so uh, we need our inspiration points, certainly. Yeah, it's interesting you bring that up because I was just remembering before you um, came here to do the interview today, the time that we did the event for Sappho Salon, mm-hmm. um, Deborah's Kitchen? Yes. Yeah, and um, after this event, just you had like a line of people <laughs> waiting to like, greet you yeah. and say how much they loved your music, and yeah. I think something about your energy is very welcoming and makes people feel very comfortable and safe to talk with you and and it that's present in your work. Thank you. Thank you. I really have tried to be um, very centered in my work. Uh, I think that there are people who write uh, because they are writing for an audience or they're writing uh, for a moment or maybe even for a movement. And I try to really just write based on where I am in the moment, in the universe, and allowing, you know, almost the push and pull of the the energy of the world to guide me where I need to go. Mm -hmm. And I think that that may be one of the reasons why people seem to connect to me in a way, and I appreciate that. I love people. It (laughs) is... um, the, the, the reason why um, I do this work is the reason why I do my professional work. I really want to see people uh, be better, love better, um, and, and do their best in, in life. Yeah, in your piece that we're going to hear after this, America is My Home, you speak about the work that you do in your professional life, mm-hmm. uh, building uh, diversity initiatives and um, equity building. Yes. Can you speak more to what you do? So um, I'm brought in into a lot of companies to speak basically do training uh, for their staff members and a lot of board of directors for nonprofit organizations as they try to diversify their um, efforts 
for whatever the nonprofit is. So I do a lot of work in the tech field, and so there's lots of uh, room for more uh, African Americans, and there's also certainly more room for women to be in the tech field, especially in leadership positions. So a lot of my work is uh, centered around working with professional staff members and organizations and trying to help to build uh, equity uh, around those jobs and, and positions that typically aren't occupied by African Americans or women. Wow, it's really important work that you're doing. <laughs> it, it is certainly important work, and it is hard um, because it's like twofold. So uh, I'm there a lot of the times because of a requirement. So maybe there was a diversity issue that happened in an organization, mm. and as a portion of the corporate training environment, they needed someone to come in and do that work with them. But then also trying to get other people who may have an interest in tech or STEM work or in any of the other disciplines where African Americans or women are traditionally underrepresented and trying to get people to either get more education or to even apply. Some of the times they already have the skill, but they mm -hmm. just don't do the application because they feel like that they're going to be discriminated against. And that in itself is like a big hurdle to overcome. Mm. Um, if somebody wanted to get in contact with you uh, and hear more about what your uh, organization does, how mm -hmm. could they do that? They can certainly just email me, first of all, uh, kylovewriter at gmail.com. So K-A-I-L-O-V-E writer at gmail.com. Or they can follow me on any of the social media sites, Facebook or on Twitter uh, and Instagram. I'm very responsive um, on my social media accounts. So if you reach out to me and send me an inbox or tag me in a post, I will certainly get back with you. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here with us again, Guy. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. And now please enjoy Kai's piece, America is My Home. I spent the last two weeks in August 2017 trying to decide what I wanted to do regarding my NFL participation this year. I've been playing fantasy football on Yahoo since 2005. I'm a real fan. I buy gear. I go to the games. I travel to see games. It is literally the longest commitment I have made to anything in my life besides living it. America is my home. In my indecision, I came across a Yahoo story and accompanying message board about the Cleveland Browns players kneeling to pray during the anthem. The vile and disgusting comments made by humans about black people were disturbing. Sadly, this is nothing new. We live here, we work here, we exist here, but there are people who still feel like we are beneath them and need to totally disregard our feelings and personal experiences living and sometimes dying to be considered equal, even if that is only by a legal standard. America is my home. I've even seen commentary on people who are planning a boycott of the NFL themselves because they are not making us black people Get in line. We are not property. We are people. 
And because I do go to games, how many people have I sat next to who thought I didn't deserve to be there despite me working really hard and paying taxes, volunteerism, and advocacy around making this country good and prosperous for everyone? How many people on the strength of my skin color and further my gender legitimately believed I did not deserve to even be in the stands? It's hurtful. And the privilege will never understand how horrible that feels and how much anxiety black people feel around some white people. America is my home. I remember the first time a non-black person called me a nigger. I was four years old, and my older brother and I were walking to the store. He normally would hold my hand before we crossed the street, but he got distracted, and I put one foot into the street. I quickly realized that I was in danger when a car that was trying to complete a turn almost hit me. The man driving the car laid on the horn and called me a stupid nigger bitch. Even at four years old, I knew the implications of the word and that many white people, even if they never said it to my face, thought of me as a nigger in their minds. I was four years old. America is my home. I've never been to Africa, but it seems go back to Africa is the go-to phrase by people who believe America is not my home. Even with scientific evidence to support that four or more generations of my own family lineage were born here. Even when the person yelling such a phrase is actually only two generations into their citizenship. Even more preposterous is the disregard for how many African melanated people even got to America. Slavery. It is one of the greatest American tragedies towards the race of people that goes fairly ignored, and we even have people that believe it's a myth. America is my home. I don't know how privileged people, like our current chief of staff to the president, thinks the Civil War was about the lack of compromise. The Civil War was about slave owners wanting to protect their right to keep slaves as personal property and not allowing them to be viewed legally as full humans. In America, legally, as part of our history, black people were considered only three-fifths human. America is my home. The fight for civil rights and civil liberties in the United States has been a hard one. In 1966, which was only 51 years ago, Martin Luther King Jr. was in Chicago's Marquette Park neighborhood to lead a peaceful march for fair housing practices in Chicago. He was hit with a brick during the march. One sign even read, King would look good with a knife in his back. If you read the comments of any current news article on race in this country, you will see similar sentiments. King had traveled all over the South during that time and faced some of the most racist and hate-filled individuals who were lynching and killing black people, and he said this about Chicago. 
I have seen many demonstrations in the South, but I have never seen anything as hostile and so hateful as I've seen here today. America is my home, and Chicago is my city. Slavery has ended, but the psychological, sociological, and economic impact for all sides still exists, and is ever-present now. It has never gone away, but the current climate around patriotism has fueled more courage in some humans to believe they can be much more vocal and proactive around keeping black people in their place. And for some of them, that place is dead or shipped off to a continent that most black people have never seen or will ever see in their lifetime. I don't know how anyone can support the notion of free speech for someone yelling, go back to Africa, to a black person walking past a rowdy demonstration of white nationalists versus someone simply taking a knee in silence during the anthem as a message around continued inequity and equality that exists for black people in the United States, seeing the latter as the more disrespectful act. America is my home. I speak about race a lot in my professional setting. I'm sure it's probably cost me some business, even when I was brought in to assist with diversification and building equity. I've witnessed the rolling of eyes from my white colleagues. I've heard the whispers of taunt. Why does she always have to throw in the race card? I've even had a colleague who would soon regret making this statement to me. We know, we know, Kai. Black people are treated bad. Slavery, blah, blah, blah. Can y'all just get over it? The Jews are doing just fine, but black people are just lazy and playing victim, and that's why they can't get ahead. Conversations about race make people very, very uncomfortable and they agitate those who live in privilege. Black people have rights, believe it or not. <laughs> a peaceful demonstration regarding the noted and well-documented ways black people are treated in the United States falls within those rights. That's not un-American. That's not a diss to the military, veterans, police officers, and others who have lost their lives to protect America. My father fought for this country as part of the United States Air Force. The kneeling during the anthem is an appropriate protest by those who believe America can be as great as for all of its citizens. But we all have much work to do, and we can no longer ignore racist social positioning and the disposition of black people. America is my home. And the stage is my platform. As someone who works and creates heavily around injustices of black people, I with clear conscience withdrew from playing fantasy football this season and have not watched a game. I have instead spent my time and energy on Sunday in my community and others doing work that hopefully can bring about more justice and a bit of healing because America is my home.
and I'm not going anywhere. All right, next up we have Max Bodeman. Um, Max is a new friend for us. Mm-hmm. Uh, we met them when they came to record here. Yeah, they just submitted on scoutandbirdie.com and we really love their work and we're so excited to share it with you today. So please enjoy their piece. White. You took her into your bedroom in your shit Palmer Square apartment to show her your wall. White wall, matte. I'd crown on a Wednesday you got too drunk and told everyone about your wall in your shit Palmer Square apartment. Your walls were white, so you had to tell her to look a little closer. Matte white walls, until you see the amorphous glossy patches in no order. Months went by. Your wall became more and more like an archive, a short history of hours, a collection more telling than Instagram, a physical space in the material world marked by our daily routine. White. I always told you why I've never owned white sheets. Aside from the recurring nightmares and the sweat that they yield, faggots have sex in the shitty. Not to mention my history of dating boys who shower less than regularly, It's true, when you're gay, shit happens. We bought your white sheets at Ikea together, because that is your aesthetic, and within a few hours they were filthy. I bought you bleach from Sir Max. Him. He can shoot five or six feet. Once I read that the world record was 18. Her. I always thought he was against pulling out, and then he met you. Needless to say, I felt so fucking special. I always do this. You don't even smoke. Valentine's Day is the anniversary of the night I quit taking all of my medications. We snorted the rest of my Xanax bottle. Neither of us remembers what happened, but I woke up with a new cigarette burn on my leg. I haven't had anal in six months. The fight was my fault. St. Patrick's Day, we ordered fried chicken from Parsons after having a huge fight at a pub in Lakeview. Why were we at a pub in Lakeview? After devouring all but the bones, we switched off on each other for an hour in a bed covered in spicy potato chips. We finished and passed out. We woke up covered in cayenne, cum, and chicken grease. The fight was my fault. I bought you more bleach. Your wall makes me feel warm. But you ignore my wall. You ignore my broken knuckle. When you tried to ice it, I told you fuck me instead. The odd patches on my skin from cigarettes put out to kill panic attacks. The hole in my wall that I made for you to show you how much I care. And the one in my pants. I thought that he was really deep. For a creative writing major, he was really bad with words. Hot and quiet. Next 
Next up in the digital issue, we have Kelly O'Leary. Um, and Kelly is a very talented visual artist who works with Google Maps and cutting um, different landscapes and buildings and homes uh, mm-hmm. from Google Maps and editing them together to create this sort of collaged uh image of different representations of home. Yeah, they're really, really cool and stunning. So be sure to go to scoutandbirdie.com and check out Kelly's series, Collected Corners. And then next up, we have our good friend, Emily Matapusi-Para. Emily, you'll remember from many past issues of Scout and Birdie. So many. (laughs) We just love her. Um, And she's out in Rhode Island now. We miss her a lot. We miss her so much. But she submitted this beautiful poem called Indiana. So we're so excited to share that with you. Read by the talented Jennifer Keel. So please enjoy Emily's piece, Indiana. A grandmother of mine, six feet tall in flats, had old candies and advice for folk who'd chew the fat. At her store they'd gather and never buy a thing, her sole employee a drag queen who stole rings and other ottomans we'd never know. She yelled at him but kept him on. He was great with customers. Her farm cats were born feral and clawed each other till eye stubs glistened. Loving them, she fed them scraps. They had more kittens. When cancer stopped her making fudge, she took to the daybed as if holding court. Cancer or no, all had to know her methods for pie crusts or tending sick trees, where to put deliveries and how to keep bees. Her keen eye watched me feed the cats, but they moved, their fighting beneath the front window as morphine dripped and sundry folk trooped in and out with casseroles. She beckoned from her deathbed to calmly inform me a tick had rooted in my neck. They are a grave danger in Indiana. Okay, we're here with our good, good friend, David Gordeski. Hi, David. Hello. Hi. You'll recognize David from our Roots issue, where he did a, another cartoon called Strabismus. Mm-hmm. And David, uh, this month we have a piece from you called Abstract Pictures of a Home. Yes. Um, we're so excited, uh, so make sure you go online and check it out. Mm-hmm. Um, but you're relatively new to doing cartooning work. Is that right? Yeah. Um, so I've uh, I've been drawing all my life. That's always been something that I've I've done just like sort of absentmindedly. And making comics was certainly part of that when I was younger, but I never really took it seriously. I never even took like my um, love for 
uh, comics and graphic novels seriously until very, very recently when I started to, like, read, like, branch out in what I was reading, and then that, like, really inspired me to uh, make some work of my own. The Strabismus was actually my first, I would say, complete... Um, I had completed others for, like, exercises and stuff and just, like, just to get something out on the page, but Strabismus was my first, like, intentionally created cartoon. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, so... It's a really good go. one. Yeah, I, I feel so glad it was on. on. Scout and Birdie. <laughs> wow, what an honor. <laughs> the debut cartoon. Yeah. <laughs> so, David, you are, like, in my mind of just one of those artists who does a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. You're a puppeteer, an actor, a writer, a cartoonist. How do you balance having a foot in all of those different art forms and how do they inform each other or, or do they? In terms of, uh, in terms of balance, I, I, I feel like uh, it's, um, it, it really just comes from a place of uh, impatience and boredom, <laughs> which sounds really, really bad. But um, I've always been the kind of person who uh, I will find something that I'm interested in and then I will just throw myself into it um, for like a little while and have like this really brief, passionate love affair with whatever the thing is. And then, um, and I'll be like, okay, well, I don't know. I want to do something else. I, I think a lot of it is, um, wanting to just like learn something new. Like I, I really love learning something new. Um, so like that sort of process of like starting to learn something is like exciting. And so that, that's how I end up finding myself in, in all those things in terms of like what informs each other. Um, like concepts will sort of click in my mind like oh my god that's exactly like acting or oh my god that's exactly like writing Mm -hmm. um one thing um that really helps me um when creating cartoons is um film I think that uh that is a thing that has like really helped me define my style uh as a cartoonist is like watching uh like YouTube videos about like film theory and stuff like that and Mm -hmm. cinematography um because it is sort of like creating a film like each panel is a shot and like one thing I really love to do in my cartoons you can definitely see it in uh strabismus and in the sort of middle section of uh abstract pictures of a home um is I like to whip the camera around the camera I'm doing air quotes there um the camera (laughs) uh, I like to whip it around wildly I love to one panel I'm I'm a wide shot the next panel I am like way close in on a character and then I'm like flipping perspective and stuff like that and I am I'm a crazy cinematographer <laughs> as a cartoonist um and I think that uh I like I, I feel like that sort of uh creates a, a lot of tension and drama in a moment um and one uh sort of uh, a, a sort of sensibility that I really enjoy when I create cartoons and it's been there since I started doodling in math class in like middle school is um, these sort of mundane but like cute characters who but like the world or like but like what's happening to them is just like the hugest like it's just like the stakes are massive but they're just these little they're just these little circles with feet you know (laughs) (laughs) i'm thinking about um in college all of the instagram animals that we follow together and how that like i feel like that really informs my like thinking of how you look at cartoons of like these tiny little derpy animals who just have like (laughs) the saddest expressions and (laughs) yeah that that is um i would definitely describe my artistic sensibility especially when it comes to cartoons as uh 
awful things happening to cute things. <laughs> um, yeah, that's uh, that, that's something that uh, I I always love to add that into my work whenever possible. <laughs> it's stupid, but it, it, it's fun, and I like it. So. <laughs> So this cartoon is a few different, a few different stories, right? Mm-hmm. It's like kind of broken up into multiple. Yeah, um, it's different. For that's what sets it apart from Strabismus is that it's um, it's not really a continuous story, um, but even Strabismus had a sort of like cutaway story, mm-hmm. um, but it was a little more linear. Um, this um, so the the reason I I did this cartoon specifically. Um, or I did it, I structured it in this way specifically. Um, I had a a really, really incredible night, um, where I was at this like little secret bar. Um, and at this bar was, uh, this guy who, uh, is like a, he's like a professional cartoonist. He works on a big TV show for like Cartoon Network. Um, and he was there doing like a little talk, um, like a little talk back about like storyboarding and stuff like that. And um, afterwards, he was just like, if anyone wants to hang out and um, do some, like jam out some comics with me, like I would love to. And I was like, oh my God, that sounds like the most fun in the world. So uh, I, I stuck around there for like five hours and he would he would draw a bunch of squares on the page and then just pass it to someone at the table. And then they would fill in the first panel and then they'd pass it to somebody else. And then like we would go and get a drink and leave it on the table and someone else would come by and like, um, and uh, it were, they, they were these like, they were just these little strips and like no one knew where the story was going or like what the other person, other people would focus on um so it was just this like really low stakes but super fun um exercise and so when I was thinking about what to do for this issue I thought well I I, what I wanted to do is just think was just sort of think about the the theme home and just jam something out like you know like draw squares on a page and then fill them in um, not really knowing where it's going or what I'm doing um, until it's until I get to the and like a big part of it is is putting end at the at the last panel. It's like this is the last panel. You're not adding any more. Mm-hmm. You need to tell the story in this many panels. Mm-hmm. Um, and I loved that. So these are actually the result of me doing that, um, of me sort of meditating on the on the uh, concept of home for me. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah, yeah, that's a really interesting way of going into it. Yeah, thank you. And you're also working right now on starting a podcast. Oh yeah, right? plug time. Um, <laughs> so right now I'm uh, I I don't have too many details to give out right now. It's just very because... secret, just like the secret bar. We're oh, all dying yeah, to know. I know, I know. <laughs> it's it's super fun. I live. Oh my god, my life is so mysterious. Um, <laughs> but um, I'm creating a sort of fun comedy podcast um, with a couple of my friends from L.A. It's sort of about us uh, trying out new things that we've never done before and getting together, one, as an excuse to just goof around with each other um, because we don't get to because we don't live in the same city, but uh, it's also a chance for us to uh, sort of do things that we wouldn't normally do. Um, (laughs) You know, we prompt each other to do things that we know the others haven't done yet, um... So, yeah, it's a, it's a good time. We'll let you guys know once <laughs> yeah. we have more info. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much for being with us, here of with course. us, David. Yeah, thank no, it's a pleasure. Me. So make sure you guys all check out 
David's comic, Abstract Pictures of a Home, on scoutandbirdie.com. Last up in the issue, we have Richard Juarez. And I met Richard at the Nightside, um, a really cool event that we've met a lot of great artists that have been on Scout and Birdie from that our good friend Monica Guzman runs. Mm-hmm. Um, and Richard played a beautiful new song uh, that night, and and then we got to chatting after, and I was like, we have to have you on Scout and Birdie. So we're really excited to share his work with you. So please enjoy Village Song.
fought to live here and won the war And now we're back But I need more I'm breathing In all the air that I've been missing Every year I let it Okay, so that's going to bring us to the end of our issue. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to go to scoutandbirdie.com and see Kelly O'Leary and David Gordeski's wonderful artwork. You can also flip through the digital issue there and learn more about the artists and see where you can keep up with each of them. If you are an artist and you'd like to be a part of a future upcoming Scout and Birdie issue, you can go on to scoutandbirdie.com and click on submissions and see more information about upcoming issues we have and submit. If you want to stay connected with us, you can keep up with us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. I'm Anna Wolf. And I'm Jennifer Keel. And we'd love to wish you a happy holidays from Scout and Birdie. We'll see you next time with issue 11. Diving in. Bye. Bye. Thank you.